This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of HR in Review. I'm Amelia Brand, your host for today's episode, and this time I'm joined by Dr. Linda Folan who's a leading expert in organisational psychology and organisational development. As well as working with a large variety of organisations in both the public and the private sector, Linda's also registered as a psychologist with the Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency and a member of the Australian Psychological Society. Today, we discuss workplace culture and why it's so important for organisations to get it right, especially in the new working world where remote and hybrid work is on the rise. Hi, Linda. Welcome. It's great to have you join me on the HR in Review podcast today. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Great. Uh, So I know you're actually joining us remotely today from Australia. Um, But firstly, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, you know, what it is you do? Yeah. Um, So I spent most of my corporate career actually in London, working in, in London, and really started my whole HR um, career from from there. Um, I now work as a consultant working in the area of culture, developing leaders to enhance cultural outcomes. And so I spend most of my time talking about the topic that we're about to talk about today. So I, I have a PhD in leadership, um, so really relevant to the context of culture because I looked at the link between resilience and leadership. Um, I also, um, the year before last, published a book on the topic as well. So lots of stuff in this space of leadership, culture, and the work that that you are, the questions that you are wanting to tackle today are really relevant to the work that I do on an, on a daily basis. Great. Um, so obviously today we're talking about organisational culture, and I think a really good starting point, firstly, would be for me to ask you really, how would you define workplace culture? Well, there's lots of technical definitions, and you know we talk about the iceberg of culture. You've got to have climate, which is all the visible stuff, and the culture, which is the underlying stuff. But when you're actually working in organisations, it's simply looking at how how do people do things around here? What's the stuff that's standard? What's the stuff that without even having to be asked, people do? And what's the stuff that people don't do? So when we go into organisations to look at culture, we're looking for those written and unwritten ground rules that form the basis of culture. And it really is just looking at the way people do things around here. Yes, great. I mean, I love that term you just used there, the iceberg of culture. I think that's a really interesting way of of thinking about things. Hmm. Um, Moving on then from that definition, why do you think culture is so important in in today's business context? Well, there's a couple of reasons that it's become even more um, highlighted over the last, I would would probably say the last five to ten years, is we're seeing a lot more damage to reputation when culture goes wrong. So business reputation is now linked quite strongly to the organization's culture. And as we've seen publicly, you know, organizations getting absolutely destroyed almost when their culture isn't right and it starts to affect the way they do business. Um, Yes, years ago we used to do drama about it, but now it's really become 
a definer of your your organization's reputation. And obviously, from a business perspective, if your reputation goes down, it becomes more difficult to recruit people. It becomes more difficult to um, build your profit base. There's a whole set of um, repercussions when you destroy your reputation. But also at the other end, we've become more um, focused on creating psychologically safe workplaces. So the whole legislation around health and safety is shifting the discussions and putting more pressure on leaders and organisations to actually manage culture Mm -hmm. so they don't damage people. Um, Also, if you think about the the roll-off from COVID, we've had a very significant uplift in mental health um, challenges. Um, The UK is predicting a 40% increase in people seeking uh, mental health support over the next five five to 10 years. So if you put that into a work context, if your organisational culture is unhealthy, you're actually damaging people's mental health all of those mental health issues start to come to bear. And yes, you know, I talk a lot in in the work I do around we should build people's resilience. But if the organisational culture is toxic, it doesn't matter how resilient people are, you're going to damage them. So there's this need if we're going to help mental health and well-being aspects of working life, we've got to actually build cultures that support that. And so there's there's multiple aspects pushing us to actually take more cognizance of culture and actually put the onus on leaders to make more of an effort to build it. Great. I mean, I know you just touched on COVID there. And um, for me, um, at least how I think about things, I think uh, we've seen the biggest change since COVID, right? I mean, we've got huge amounts of people now working in a hybrid way, remote um, so what do you think happens to organisational culture then when a lot of employees at a company work in a hybrid way or remote? And, you know, what, what kind of steps do you think organisations can take to maintain, you know, like a strong culture in this virtual environment we now have since COVID? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting challenge because I've just I've just taken on some work with an organisation that does almost 100% working from home. And... Five years ago, um, their culture was absolutely superb. Um, They had one of the top rating cultures, um, really great environment to work in. We've just done a a culture measure for them and their culture has reversed dramatically. Um, People are feeling isolated. They're feeling um, out of contact. And so... Mm -hmm. If we're going to work in, or we have to work in this hybrid kind of remote capacity, we've got to actually work harder at culture. Mm. We've got to develop different strategies, but almost you've almost got to be more disciplined about culture when you've got remote working, because you've got this whole aspect of social isolation, um, people actually withdrawing from society. Um, people starting to get nervous about going out of their homes. So there's a whole lot of repercussions to this hybrid um, remote working that we're not, we've kind of jumped into it because we had to with COVID. COVID pushed us, we had no option but to do it. And particularly in the UK and Europe, 
people were forced to do it for long chunks of time. But we also know that the psychological impact of social isolation is massive. So we've got to find a way to bridge that. And hate to say it, but Zoom and Teams doesn't do it. <laughs> doesn't do it. I speak to a lot of people. And look, I do a lot of work on Zoom and Teams because I work around the world. Um, but it's it's not enough. People need connectivity. If you if you think about the one of the biggest global studies that's ever been done on what makes people feel like they've had a successful life, it's a longitudinal study that's been done in the US. The single most important thing is connectivity. Mm. Mm, you want to have satisfaction in life what's the connectivity part of your organisational culture in a hybrid and remote setting? So I, I just think we've got, to, we've got to rethink culture in those settings and rethink how we build that and how do we build in enough connected time to support people to feel um, that the organisation cares about them, is connect, they're connected to each other, you also start to end up with more siloed working when people are working remotely because people that they'd normally bump into the, in the corridor or at the coffee machine, they don't mm. see naturally. So there's a whole lot of work we need to do around understanding what, what are the important aspects that we need to maintain when we're working in this hybrid remote way. Exactly. And I think, you know, those conversations all lead down the same way to, you know, a huge focus on mental health, which, which, which you know, has changed so much at the moment. Um, so moving away kind of from psychological safety then, um, what about diversity, equity, inclusion? You know, how do you think workplace culture really impacts, you know, DEI efforts within organisations and companies? Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Massively. And, and, you know, I think psychological safety and inclusion are two parts of the same whole almost. You cannot create a psychologically safe workplace unless you can embrace diversity and inclusion. So um, I, I, one of the things that, again, we're seeing more cases, we're seeing a rise in people saying, I'm being bullied, I'm being treated badly. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I do believe that we need to actually get better at diversity and inclusion issues. And we need to get better at it in all aspects. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is you're often working, so I'm doing some work on on some of the very large mine sites across Australia. And one of the challenges we've got on our mine sites is that a lot of them are led by the same gender, the same age group. So how do you get diversity and inclusion when your leaders are from one group? You've got to actually force diversity and inclusion in with strategies that people don't like. Um, so, you know, quotas um, and actually then starting to build capacity that people can learn to understand each other. So actually actively tackling what are the differences between, you know, male and female. I'm using that as a very basic one. But, you know, what are the things that we need to consider in our workplace? Because unfortunately, a lot of workplaces have got 
you know, embedded structures that actually go counter to good diversity and inclusion. Um, and we're not even aware of them. We're not even aware that those structures are in place. So when I was chatting to one of the mine sites, um, the senior leaders on the mine site, they said, no, we've got all this sorted. You know, we, we're very conscious of um, that we need to have um, a safe environment for women up here on our mine sites. We've put double locks on the, all the women's doors. That's coming from someone who's got a mindset that says, oh, if I put a lock on someone's door, that's going to make them feel safe. What we haven't taught people to do is to look at it from the other side. For a woman, that's telling them that they're not safe because they've got a double lock. So we've really got to shift mindsets in this space. Great. And um, I know you you touched on age diversity there. Mm. Um it's quite interesting um, to think about, you know, whether there might be conflicting perspectives on organisational culture between different age groups. Um, I think it's also quite interesting to consider this in terms of, you know, how workplace culture might look like in the future once, you know, perhaps Generation Z grows up and, you know, X, Y, Z, really. Yeah, the Gen Zs are really going to um, cause challenges for organisations. Yeah. I just don't think we're ready for them. <laughs> but the- they're already tipping into our organisation, so we need to get ourselves organised. Um, Gen Zs are going to tolerate um, bad behaviour in the workplace way less, but they're mm. also going to generate more um, challenging behaviour because what we're seeing is a combination of a rise in narcissism and a drop in resilience. So we're going to see some challenging behaviours from Gen not all Gen Zs, but we're going to see some challenging behaviours from Gen Zs, but they're also going to be super intolerant of bad behaviour from their leaders. They're not shy to go, that's not acceptable. And I think that's actually a good thing because I think, you know, older generations have tolerated bad behaviour and almost walk past it. Um, Gen Zs are definitely not going to do that. And they'll walk, you know, they'll just get up and walk out they the the loyalty factor is different um so i i do think we're in for a a very big shift in how people will measure us as leaders but also the culture that we create as leaders exactly i think it's also going to have um a big impact on on retention rates you know i don't think gen z will stay in a in a company or in an organization where they don't think that dei is up to where it should be um at all really um, they don't even tolerate it in their own personal relationships. Exactly, exactly. What's going on in the relationship? They just mm-hmm. swap the relationship. Um, totally. I mean, focusing still on the future. Then, um, do you think? Do you see any kind of emerging trends, or perhaps any future considerations related to organisational culture? Yeah, I think I think we've got to get culture top on the agenda in organisations. Um, the the notion that we can do it once a year with a culture survey or once every two years and do a little bit of hype is is past. We need to actually get on and and systematically deal with culture. Um, I see a lot of organizations doing it one off and hoping um, that that's going to be enough. I, I do believe that that consistent, it should almost become as definitive as your finances. 
you know, you check your finances on a regular basis. You should be doing it in the same way that you would check your finances and your bank balance as an organisation. It shouldn't be something that's a tag along or a once a year, once every two years. And because leaders play such an important part in the culture, I think we've got to get way more um, strict and way more um, almost um, challenging towards our leaders is you are a huge percentage of the the effective culture. You need to hold yourselves to account to a higher level. I think leaders have got away with old school leadership styles and we just can't tolerate that anymore. The world has shifted and changed and we, we need to really help leaders. So for me, the, the two key things that have to change is culture should be on your agenda every time you meet as a board, as an executive, as as leaders. It shouldn't be a once every every year or so. And leaders, it needs to be in their performance um, um, plans. It needs to be in their competency base work. And they need to be held to account on a regular basis. I think there used to be exactly a a huge amount more onus on leaders managing culture, definitely. Um, Yeah. I have two more questions for you today before we wrap up. Um, We ask all of our guests these questions on the HR Review podcasts. Um, So the first question would be, if you could pass on one crucial lesson you've learned in your career in one minute or less, (laughs) what would be your top tip for other HR pros? Yeah, I think the the key tip that I would pass on is that as as an HR professional, everyone's leaning on you for this culture stuff and for your leadership. So you have to really maintain a high level of expertise, a high level of personal resilience and personal development to be able to advise and guide people in this space. It's it's a super complex area and we really need to look after ourselves, be constantly developing ourselves, looking at new things that can help us to get better. You know, we talked earlier about developing strategies for Mm. building um, cultures in a remote setting. We need to be developing those skills on a regular basis. Um, You can't just get an education once in your lifetime. You just need to be building your skill all the time. That would be my key advice to all HR professionals. Keep learning. Yeah, keep learning. Never ends, never ends. (laughs) Secondly then, what is the single biggest change you think will happen in HR over the next five to 10 years? Um, I would say that the single biggest change is going to be the impact of mental health. I think we've got a... Well, we've got a pandemic of mental health globally and we're going to have to make a massive shift in how we handle mental health, how we deal with it in the workplace, how we support people when they're going through it and how we encourage leaders to actually guide and support their people when they're having those mental health challenges. Great. Well, it's been really interesting having you on the podcast today, Linda. Thank you so much for joining me. No problem at all. Thank you. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. 
you can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.